Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What's up? Today we are gonna eat ice cream! <laughs> Woo! I went to the park this morning, I saw some delicious ones! So I got some! It was so good! Break it down! Alright, cut that music, Reva. Alright, <laughs> welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast. We're on episode 491. And Toby, I'm going to ask you about that in a second. That was oh, yeah. your your music has been hilarious lately and going viral in in many different ways on many platforms. But thanks for doing it. And that sounds like somebody other than you or some heavily yes. modified vocals of yours. But episode 491. Wow, I can't believe we're here today's show is sponsored by Hymns. You can dive into 2020 hair first. Get started with your first month for free at at slash bad christian Today's show also sponsored by Hubble. Stop overpaying for contacts and start seeing savings when you sign up at HubbleContacts.com. Be sure to select our show, The Bad Christian Podcast, during the post-checkout survey. Okay, Toby, what's the deal with that music? Well, I was sitting there trying to come up with a song for the intro, and my kids were there. I was like, do y'all think y'all could build this? Because I was thinking, I think I started thinking too highly of myself because I'm just using logic loops, right? So I just mm-hmm. let them, I'd play it and, and whatever they liked, I let them build the whole song because it's Amazing. really, it's really fun. Like you just pick something and they go, yeah. And they started off with like a rock song with guitars and stuff. And then we eventually got to that. And then I was like, who, which kid wants to, and our youngest is just, she's an entertainer. She can't not be. And so I just said, freestyle it. What do you want to say? And that was all her. So you can hear That's the whole great. thing at the end. But. I got two things to say about that music. Okay. And uh, the first one is, I, I didn't know that your youngest daughter had that skill. And I do think it's a very special <laughs> skill. I really do. It, I, I think there's a very special skill. It's called not tensing up on a microphone. And yeah. almost nobody possesses it. And yep. she already does possess it, but she could lose it. So protect that, encourage it. It is very, I mean, it doesn't matter about microphone or media. It's the same thing of like just tensing right. up in front of seven people or 10 and in a meeting. It's the same thing. So yeah. very amazing that she could be that loose and improvise, first of all. Secondly, it makes you look bad because a child can do what you do. Yeah, I know. It keeps me level-headed here. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't get too big of a head here. Even if somebody goes, man, I really like your song. I'm like, well, it was really pretty easy to make. Anybody. Right. I mean, anybody. That's yeah, the message, though. Anybody. That's the great news about it is uh, you you could do, to me, it's very, very far from an insult to say a child can do what you can do. That's like my central right. premise of life is there's no difference in children and adults in my book. I almost right. make no distinction. And I think children can do, it, you know. Well, there's a lot of ethical things to think about, but I, I'm wondering does this uh, the evolution of maybe the computer, and I, I guess under that umbrella would be the internet, but like the all the apps and programs and th- and things that you can download and use, it really does level the playing field. I'm able to produce a song in less than an hour that totally everybody understands what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at a way higher quality than probably even five years ago, much less 10 or 20. I mean, of good course. Lord. Now, so the, beginning the future. Of, yeah. I mean, you, you know what I mean? Like, just think about the the 
when you think about the idea of a studio compared to what you used to think a studio was or what it was, let's say in the year 2000, now 20 years later, just 20 years later, a studio, you do not think of it the same way with the giant board and you got to have this. Right. And pay. I mean, you can, you can make all these songs in your, I'm in my dining room making these songs. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's very simple, but it, it shows me two things with the evolution of the computer. One, I've always thought that uh, there was always a barrier and now I feel like that barrier is getting less and less to where anybody can create something. That same way it goes on social media, t- TikTok. Anybody can, you know, have their their fifteen minutes of fame. It's not just something crazy happens to you. You can actually show your personality and get, achieve stuff that in the past wasn't available to you. The second thing is, I think I've been totally wrong that uh, the internet will destroy communication. Like I've been worried since I've had kids. I thought, well, my what is it going to be like for my daughters and my son to to communicate with their friends? And what does that look like? And how will they date? How will they fall in love? What? How will they handle internet bullying? All this stuff. And today I realize that I've been totally wrong. That communication has always been just horrifically bad. And now we have life. this amazing tool yeah. that might could save us. And here's my here, here's That's how good. it happened today. I had to return an outfit, a workout outfit to Walmart today. I, I got one size too big uh, for a pair of shorts and a workout shirt. I get there to the front and the guy's not talking to me and he's won't he hardly look me in the eye. We can't even say it. And I said, uh, yeah, well, I got to, you know, return this. I had to come all the way back over here. But good news is, you know, they're too big. I've lost a little bit of weight. So that's cool. He's mm-hmm. silence. He doesn't acknowledge anything. They doesn't acknowledge that that's good, bad, that I was joking, anything. Mm-hmm. Zero silence, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's a minute of silence while he's doing, doing almost nothing. And then he goes, man, they play crazy music around here. And he didn't let me know. <laughs> and it was the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> I was like, the Goo Goo Dolls is crazy music. Like, yes. what do you? What is? I like this person. We cannot talk to each other now. <laughs> maybe on some level, there might be like a forum or a possibility with the internet that we could meet at some kind of realm where we could experience yeah. and understand, receive each other. But in real maybe life, never, because yeah. there might be somewhere online where he shines. In a yeah. community, right? Oh, man, could he? But as far as you're concerned, he's some kind of idiot. Right. right. <laughs> I thought actual idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, mean, I want to involve, but... involve Dan Coke. Oh, yeah. He just came and showed up. Dan, can you, can you hey, hear Dan. us? And, and uh, you're good. Yeah, I'm, I'm just sort of like tactfully avoiding this topic here. I don't want to be on record as... <laughs> Anything, one way or the other, on the uh, on the Walmart checkout guy. Well, I think the point, the territory is is the is the future world, the digital world, the online world, the third place, the transcendent reality that we're creating. Is it po- is it not just possible that it's just going to be better than this the physical one? I mean, that's 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 the fundamental question, or not even question, the inevitability to try to ma- maximize. I yeah, guess. that's where I was at today. I was like, wait a minute. The reason Facebook, for example, is so bad is because we brought us into it and didn't even and we, we, we didn't even have good skills. We we you know we we literally just think oh we were kids and now we're adults and now we have stuff and it we are all just infant children nothings that think that we can understand the world more clearly than even our kids and we're wrong. In fact, yeah, wrong. so much so maybe kids get communication way better than us and we think it's goofy and wrong and they're just texting each other and maybe they understand communication better than we do we might have been trained the wrong way to communicate as humans with each other 
Dan, would you comment not on Walmart idiots, but on <laughs> on music and children and some of the technological shifts? Well, I mean, I think that Facebook and the fake news problem is some evidence for what Toby's saying. Um, our parents' generation has a much harder time than we do spotting like real websites, true, real right. articles yes. versus fake articles. I think that um, that's not necessarily an issue of stupidity. It's just an issue of exposure to, uh, I don't know, like j- just learning how to do something through through time, right? And so they just didn't grow up with that, and we are more digital natives than they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, in that sense, our kids will probably be better at it than we are at certain things. At, at maybe many things, and, and it may turn out that they're the important things. Yeah, I for mean, sure. as most likely yeah. it is. Let's let I saw something that made me a borderline outraged recently. Which uh, is... oh, good. We're gonna get more downloads now. <laughs> but yeah, this yeah, exactly. is the, this is kind of the problem. No, I have the opposite. Was a dumbass person working at Target. <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of Target moron. Uh, the the opposite is usually true for me. I become outraged at things that bother nobody at all in any way. So it doesn't really work that way. So my outrage is just on an island usually. So it's not that spreadable. It's. People call me some kind of idiot when I find something that bothers me. Mm, but let me tell yeah. you, in this case, what bothers me, and then tell me if I'm an idiot or not. Um, yes, I'm totally with Toby on kids being everything and creative and easily should be able to outdo me. There's just no way that's not true. And eventually, I mean, I'm quite interested. I'm going to put a pin in this one, but remember to revisit another time. Child labor is one of my special interests. <laughs> I'll leave that as an obnoxious <laughs> statement that I will talk about it another time. But <laughs> the, the children's value to their benefit, that things that they're able to produce that are unique. Yeah, like mining Bitcoin. Whatever yeah. it is. But I'm going to say, <laughs> as far as Toby's daughter doing that and those Apple Loops and the technology thing, we just had Billy Ellis win all those awards, and I found the people that I hate. They're all the people that are super upset about that. <laughs> They're not, and I hate the fucking awards or any. I don't care. I would never care about an award. Yeah. Right. But the reaction to it is most extreme by people in my industry that care about things like the mixing boards. Toby. Right. They hate Ugh. it. Everybody that likes gear hates, yeah, 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 and, they, yeah, yeah. and no matter what, if anybody says something about Billy Ellis being awesome, they will only try to discount it because mm. they are not needed in the equation. And that mentality sucks so bad. And I'm the one that knows how to program and control automation on a $400,000 SSL console. I will never do that again. It's a very rare skill. Yeah. And I don't care. Good. You know? Right. Good. And Billy Ellis is better than me. And my daughter should be better than me in no time. I mean, like, I, I I think what you're doing with her and letting her know that she can just make something and release it, and the world's hearing what your daughter did. I'm not even going to say her name because the anonymity issue is the big one with kids for me. But your daughter just made a piece of art, in my opinion, yeah. that actually mattered, and people are hearing. And what's the gap between her and Billie Eilish? Not very, not very large, in my opinion, at all. Right. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know, but it's certainly possible. And your daughter knows it's possible. And the barrier never has to exist for her. The barrier never was talent or skill. It was just trying and right. being able to pursue it and find what it is you're trying to do. Billy I, Ellis I only that. wanted them she to do it because it's fun to. too. Like that's the other yeah, well, that's the right. thing that I think is really neat is like maybe like oftentimes the one of the biggest complaints I hear is it's not fun talking to people or connecting or I don't want to go out or I feel that way, that pressure and stuff like that. Maybe maybe the internet might could to use a southern term, might could actually 
cure some of this stuff. Like my I daughter think thinks maybe making music's fun. She's not, yeah. I, I, you know, when they start saying, hey, maybe we could get on YouTube and stuff, like, wait, 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 wait. No. Hold on, hold on. It's not You're missing that. the point. Yeah, the if point, you like yeah. it, then it could be really valuable to you first, but we're not going to go there. That, that thing, you know, that that's it, the danger. She that, has the possibility to pursue art without it ever being a product, yeah. in my view. And that's very special. And don't ruin that and allow it. And a lot of kids could sing. Everybody knows if I can sing and write songs, then anybody can. That should be an right. obvious fact. So it, people get prevented from doing it, and your daughter's on the right track, which can be derailed by many bullshit forces of adults. So just yep. don't let it happen. I agree. Well, you know well, what might happen. Well, speaking of adults missing things, do you know that uh, 66% of men start losing their hair by 35? <laughs> they don't even that. see it coming. Guys. Another reason children are better than adults. They don't they keep I their know. hair. I know the kids can keep their hair, but if you're an adult man by the age of 35, you got a 66% chance of losing your hair, and that hairline starts moving back a little bit. Maybe you feel a little uncomfortable. Maybe you want to change that or stop that, whatever that is. I'm and I'm talking about using products from Hems, and and uh, for Hems has just been awesome. I've used some of their products. We've worked with them for a long time. Basically, they're the one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, sexual wellness for men, and it's time to write that new chapter of your life, one in which you have hair, my friends. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't want more hair? Well, not on my body, but maybe some on my head probably even. Uh, It's really cool because this is no snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. It's prescription solutions backed by science. Hems was created by a guy who knows some men's health conversations are easier online than in person. Once again, Lots of times, men avoid going to the doctor because they're embarrassed or they don't want to talk about it. Or I don't want to. I'm just going to leave it alone. Not anymore. Hems has started, kind of even been on this new trend of being able to do stuff from your computer and get the help that you want or the help that maybe you even need. No more awkward in-person doctor's visits or long pharmacy lines. So dive into 2020 hair first. Right now, our listeners can get started with their first month free by going to forhymns.com slash badchristian. That's forhymns.com slash badchristian. Uh, prescription, your prescriptions do require an online consultation with a physician who will determine if a prescription is appropriate and offers valid prescri- only valid if prescribed. Three-month minimum subscription. Additional restrictions may apply. See website for full details and important safety information, of course. Remember, that's 4hymns.com slash badchristian. Thank you, Toby. Now, Dan, we're going to talk about the end times anxiety and this thing I'm very excited about. But still, before we move on, I do want your thoughts on Billie Eilish and that kind of thing, more musically, because Dan, if people don't know, is a full-time composer and makes his whole living making licensing music, paying attention to trends and things like that. I'm sure he's more aware of the whole thing we're talking about than we are. Um, And he's doing this to make money while he's putting himself through Ph.D. school to study and get licensed and do all the stuff. And his work's going to be in this field of this topic of end times anxiety and stuff like that. So it's kind of interesting to be here, but before we move to the ladder on that, what's your perspective on music future in, in that territory? Billy Ellis specifically. It's sort of funny that, uh, in order to have the conversation I want to have with you about psychology and end times, mm-hmm. I have to talk about Billy Eilish. Mm-hmm. It's just like, in order to go to grad school, I have to write advertising music to pay That's right. for my right. mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a microcosm of my whole adult life. Um, well, I, I was thinking one thing in particular. That's the most privileged thing possible. You make a lot I of money have getting to make music by yourself, and you whine about it. Literally and something else, so. all the privileges. <laughs> I've got all of them. We did one of those privilege walk things in uh 
in class one day and I got like a perfect score. <laughs> I'm aware of it though. I'm aware of it. I, literally the only thing I had negative was impacted by a divorce in my, in my thirties. Otherwise, a, and so I technically had one minus one point, but not really, you know, I was already established by then. So, um, yeah, so I made a decision. So I've been doing it for like eight, eight and a half years now, I think, full time mm -hmm. uh, commercial composing, composing. And I, I figured out early on, like a lot of people buy gear. A lot of people who do this like gear. Yes, it's natural to right. like it. These are people who really care about sound. Many of my friends, right? Um, our friend Kevin built himself a studio in the backyard. It's mm -hmm. beautiful. He also writes like movie scores, and it's probably more realistic for him to have that. He's recording string players and all that stuff. I decided early on, I am not doing that. I am going to have as much in the box, which just means in software on my computer that I could take anywhere as possible. I have a couple microphones. I have a bunch of guitars, which you can't really fake. And that's it. I don't have a bunch of synths. I don't have any of that stuff, which is very common. And I don't have a bunch of compressors and you know rack gear. I was just like, I got to make this so low overhead that I can do it indefinitely as the industry changes. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a little different than Billie Eilish and you know pop music and stuff. Same but, direction. But I think about like Lord too, which is her her big record came out like four or five years ago. Yeah. Um, I think about a song like Buzz Cut Season on that record, which is one of my favorite songs of the last decade. And it's just like minimal. Right. It's just got like good drum sounds, couple synths. Who it's just a great song. It's like a such a well-written song, like the just get out of the way of the song. Yeah, it's you know? the, the total enemy of gearheads and the bass player that's trying to get his idea in, and the person that thinks their thing's the most important <laughs> because they're yeah. full of ridiculous insecurity. And yeah. on the extreme end, it's talentless people that are the most angry because I, ta you know people that have yeah. something to say naturally and can do it with nothing. No, nobody resents more than that that makes people so resentful well and uh, to, to to bring it to billy eilish i don't know her stuff super well but i i listened a lot to the last track on her record i think it's the last track it's when the party's over it's the it's the new single she performed at the grammys and uh that is just like that's just a fucking great song mm -hmm. that's like a Joni mitchell song i mean it's so well written i don't care how you record it yeah i think she's like the, like this is like when lebron was in high school to me yeah, we'll it's see. Like I mean, she's going to be tell. around a long time. I hope she doesn't get screwed up or die. Is the big thing, and I understand that she. And this is this horse is out of the barn. Uh, I don't believe that children should be fam famous, and I think it'll destroy their lives. And I consider her life already a public sacrifice for us all. And huh. it's, it's, we'll it's too late. And yeah. I hope she survives and does well. But I at least I think Tom Cruise is that too. He's just. He's not a person, but he's for all of us. I think about and, and yeah. I hope I can I hope she has a whole body of work that's just phenomenal across forty years, and it'll be to, for the public good. Yeah, but she won't have a normal life or anything. Won't have a normal life, but. but I mean, Jim Carrey talks about this, and and David Brooks in his new book, The Second Mountain, that like a lot of people who get what they want when they're younger, uh, then they hit the bottom of that, and then they have to figure out well, what can they bring to the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and some famous people just get to that point quicker. That'd be that'd be ideal. And they can become, yeah. you know, they could be Macaulay Culkin or something. Yeah. I'm not. I don't want to disparage him, but you know, or they can like really, like Jim Carrey, who's like having a serious acting career and like works with Homeboy Industries, you know, whatever. So 
I think these are the know. important ethical questions, though, in that territory. But it's the most exciting thing, and it, it does focus around, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting stuff in that nexus of de- child, de- to me, I just can't help it. But my mind's always at child development and how this matters and how it interfaces with machines and the future. I just, I guess that's obvious at this point that I can never stop thinking about those things. But in any case, speaking of child development, end times anxiety is a, <laughs> seems to, I don't know if you've stumbled on this. Or if you've coined the term end times anxiety, but good Lord, what a heavy thing in in the child development territory. Let's talk about it. But Toby, do you want to pay another bill for us first? Oh, yes, I do, Matt. And today's bills being paid by Hubble. And most of you maybe know have seen me with my glasses on. I wear contacts almost exclusively because my vision is so bad. I think my left eye, I'm legally blind. <laughs> I think that's the truth. But that's why I love working with a company like Hubble, who is, you know, kind of just on the cusp of innovation and really uh, creating new ways for you to wear contacts. And it's about time. I mean, it's the. It, we're, like most people, you're hoping to do things maybe a little differently in 2020. In 2010, you were doing your things, and now 10 years later, this this fresh, maybe new way of doing things. And one of the ways that here at Bat Christian and me specifically want to start doing that is with Hubble, because it used to be impossible to find a good pair of daily contact lenses that didn't leave you broke. They were so expensive. My parents never wanted to buy me contacts because it would cost so much. I had to wear just the ugliest glasses imaginable back then. But uh, if you've ever rationed or reused your lenses, which I have done over weeks to save money, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Most lenses are sold at a huge markup, and people don't bat an eye. They even feel forced to overpay, honestly, because you want your vision. It's super important. And that's all over now, though, thanks to Hubble. Um, with Hubble, you can get daily contacts at a price that you can afford. They're high quality uh, at an it's high quality at an affordable price. You can start with a two week supply of daily lenses for just one dollar. Seriously, easy to sign up, no stress or hassle to start a subscription. A month's worth of daily lenses delivered straight to your door. It's eye care on autopilot. The attention to detail from look and feel of the product and packaging, all the way to customer service, everything that you want is awesome here at Hubble. So. If you want uh, daily contacts at a price that you can afford, visit HubbleContacts.com. You'll get two weeks of daily lenses shipped straight to your door for just $1. That's 30 contacts for just $1. What are you waiting for? Make 2020 the year you start seeing 2020. Ah, I like that. And stop overpaying for contacts. Start seeing the savings when you sign up at HubbleContacts.com. That's HubbleContacts.com. And don't forget to select our show in the post-checkout survey. Okay. So, Dan, did you invent the term end times anxiety? And just by the terminology alone, does people already know what that means? If so, good stuff. Uh, I don't <clears throat> think it's a little too early to say okay. uh, how many people know about it. But I do. I think you asked really, did I stumble upon it? Yeah, I mean, I think I sort of did. Um, I don't know if I've said this before on your show, but there's like a, a common term people use for when, when people are just starting out in, in any sort of academic research. They do they do me search before they do other research. I yeah. see. Uh, and this is me search. So my story is that I had major panic yeah. attacks recurring multiple years of my life from third from sixth grade till I was 24, 25 uh, about the rapture of the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. You know, I have panic disorder. Um, it's in remission right now, if you want to call it that. I, I don't get panic attacks on the reg. Does that make you a survivor? Uh, <laughs> well, it could come back. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm keyed up in a way that other people aren't. And I will be for my whole life. My mom's had it 
her whole life. I think my grandpa had it, you know, et cetera. So, um, th- but my story is that so you got that down as a nature, not nurture or combo. Uh, it's a combo. Okay. It's a combo. And you, you know, better than me, the genetics, epigenetics, uh, conversation. It's, it's both. Um, but yeah, so that's my story. And I was trying to th- pick a dissertation topic for my psychology doctorate. And I was like, dude, I want to do this. Uh, and so I've started on it with these episodes and, uh, working on another series now about the pa- our parents in relation to it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely striking a nerve. I just got it, a, yeah, I just got a message it. from a buddy. I was on his show and, and we talked about it and it went up, I don't know, a week ago. And he said he's gotten 70 emails about it. That's insane. Insane. Yeah. I, the most emails I've ever gotten from one episode is maybe purity culture. And I got five or six emails. Or emails represent so many other people that don't send right. emails. Right. I mean, you can't even believe that. I mean, right. That's huge. It's incredible. Yeah. So it's obviously striking a nerve. Uh, I, you know, I didn't do anything to deserve that. Um, I think it's like one of those market inefficiencies or something like that. Uh, but I'm Wait, happy to mean, just try and do it well. You suffered 35 years with anxiety to deserve it. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and my payment is 70 emails yeah, to someone right. else. Um, no. No, but uh, yeah. Yeah, so I I guess I stumbled upon it. I mean, it's... But, like, we could talk some numbers if you... To you get got the some. Scope I love numbers. It. I've got some numbers. So, the late... We'll go in order. 1970, the late Great Planet Earth comes out. Hal Lindsey. This is like... This is the baby boomer Jesus movement version of premillennial dispensationalism, the idea that there will be a rapture and then a and then a seven year tribulation and then the millennial reign of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that comes around in the 1830s, like literally invented in the 1830s by a guy named uh, John Darby. Anyway, Lake Great Planet Earth by 1999 sells 38 million copies. It's I believe it's on like a top 10 nonfiction bestsellers of the entire decade of the 70s. So it's massive. It's mm-hmm. made into a television show with a 17 million viewership number. It's made into a film with Orson Welles narrating it. Fast forward to uh, Left Behind, which comes out in 95, and that has sold in, in all its forms 80 million copies of their various books. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's the films with Nick Cage and, and uh, what's his name, Kirk Cameron and yeah, stuff. Yeah, once before. Um, and so I don't, I mean, a, some kind of estimate of the people roughly our age who grew up in this zeitgeist is, I don't know, 5 million, 10 million. It's a lot of people. Let's look at that. Let me think about the demographics for a second on that, because it strikes me when you say that, that the total saturation for the population possible for that has got to be unbelievably high because... Yeah. A giant amount of Americans would have zero interest in that and yep. never consume it. So if there's that many millions of people consuming it, the saturation level for evangelicalism, for evangelicalism, however you say the word, is got to be extremely. It's high. extreme. So I I think that probably in the '90s, um, this you know don't quote me, but like 30 percent or so, or sorry, 30 million. Oh no, more like 50 million. Like maybe 50 million Americans are evangelicals. Mm-hmm. That's birth to death. Mm-hmm. Um, are white evangelicals. 80 million copies of Left Behind. So that's, that's wild. more than one per member of that group. Right. Uh, and when you consider that, a lot of people don't read at all. And they're watching it in groups of seven and eight and, and multiple kids yeah. and well, youth and groups. Preachers and yeah. are preaching on yeah. it. I mean, it's it like you cannot talk to someone who was raised white evangelical. And have them not know what left behind is. I right. mean, they, you just won't find anyone. Mm-hmm. Maybe one in a hundred. And that's the popular media, not just what's taught on every t- corner church. Yeah, that, that gets quite wackier than 
Like, as oh, if yeah. left behind was it's the most extreme wacky. version. I mean, that's it's, not yeah. even at all the case. Uh, yeah, that's true. Well, one thing that was interesting in doing the interviews was not so much, like, the basics of the left behind teaching. is more how that interfaced with people's individual church or family or own mental health experience. Mm-hmm. That's where it gets interesting. So the guy, for instance, Jim Stump, who's now, um, everybody was anonymous, but he he just gave this little snippet, and he's a public uh, intellectual. He's the VP of BioLogos, and he's a philosopher. He said, look, according to my theology at that time, I could be driving down the road, get in a car accident, swear as I'm swerving, die, and go to hell because I had an mm-hmm, unforgiven yeah. sin. Right. So then, and then he got, the 88 reasons that the rapture will occur in 1988 book. And he's on his college campus looking around and try like, did it happen? You know, it's like a real quiet day. Mm-hmm. So for his, so the, the combo of his theology is what makes that story so dramatic, right? Is that he really thought it could be like that. Right. I wasn't given that. It, I, I thought in good when, faith, he believed that he wasn't yes. like some ma- no. deeply manipulative no. Power gain strategy. No, for, he's for like a, a very healthy individual, mm-hmm. but that's what he was taught. Yeah, I mean that's exactly what I was taught. I mean this this that's why I listened uh, to those episodes, Dan. On, on you have permission. It it just I, I was like I, I was listening to my story. It was it was crazy. Like just what you were just talking about. When I was a kid, I thought if if when I sinned, I didn't immediately ask for forgiveness. What if I died? I would go to hell. So I would just beg God over and over and over. And I would even self-discipline myself. I would say stuff like, God, I, yeah. I, for two weeks, I will not give myself dessert. Please forgive me. Or like, like just on my own because I was so frightened that God would hate me and send me to the most awful place ever. Is that connected forever. to end times too? Or, I mean, yeah, how, yeah. How, I keep hearing y'all blur well, between end times and, he- and regular hell. Well, it is, is that a, basically it is the a deal? blur. Yeah, it is a blur. I, I want to know what your relationship was, Toby, but I'll just say, yeah, it's a blur because really hell is the ultimate motivator here. Heaven mm-hmm. and hell. Uh, but what the end times does is it moves that forward, oh, and especially I for Imminent youth. Hell. Yeah. I see. I'm I'm right. I'm 15. I'm in youth group like I'm going to probably die in 70 years. Yeah. So, yeah, I Just might believe in hell and I'm probably going to heaven. And now. That's Those where, kids are still masturbating and having sex with each other, but we need to ramp it up. <laughs> well, no. I mean, now, I don't think that it's, I don't think that very many people are consciously trying to yeah. motivate it that way in their own mind, but yeah, it's going to work. Yeah. So from a marketplace perspective, you're going to keep coming back to this because it's going to be effective because what it does at, to a 15-year-old. Effective at what? <laughs> it says, oh, I might die, imme- I might die any day now, essentially. I might have the heaven-hell switch flipped right. any day now, not 70 years from now. So then it is very effective at the goal of traumatizing children, it sounds like to me. Yeah, yeah. Highly uh, effective tactic. Yes, yes. It is. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it, it doesn't traumatize every child, and that's, we could talk about that too, that people have different levels of resilience. Mm-hmm. But if you, like me, were set up to be anxious, it, this is about as effective as you can be right. if you want to make a kid anxious. But Toby, I'm, I'm curious, so how, how did it interplay for you End times versus just the heaven hell binary. So, so the the thing is, uh, I was I was taught, and my grandfather was the pastor. But every sermon, no matter what, was basically centered around hell and going there, right? But with the end times, it was that if you had to stay uh, very alert, very aware, because if you screwed up, of course there's there's hell. But now 
you're left behind. Like, like the, the, so now you're now you're stuck alive, knowing that you're going to go to hell, or that you have to go through the worst torment ever and not take the mark of the beast because you you know. So after God takes the Christians, what I was taught, and this is what's so weird, hearing some of the stories, it splinters and it becomes like, it really is like conspiracies and it's just, a, a, you know, it's like a game of phone. Somebody heard it this way and then the next church said it this way or whatever to, a, to an extent, all under the same umbrella. But I was told that if you're left behind, then uh, they're going to force you to take the mark of the beast or else you will be tormented, murdered, you know, hurt, they'll hurt your family, they'll, they'll, hold, they'll hold a knife to your kids or your father's throat and say, you're going to take the mark of the beast or you will be, you know, and they're going to trick you. Satan's so good. He knows your weakness and you're going to take that mark of the beast and then you're done. That is it. There is no coming back once you take that. And the only way you'll get food, provision, healthcare, anything will be that mark of the beast. It's so bad. And it, and it really rang true because it was always uh, tied with a fear of technology and it would be like yep. a, a chip under the skin. That's what I yep. was almost all. And, that, and I mean, I'm talking about early eighties, you know, that it, even in the early eighties, yep. that's what I was taught. Yeah, I, I, uh, a lot of that stuff came up in the 90s when I was more absorbing this stuff as six or seven years younger than you. Um, there's a lot in there. Uh, what do you want to talk about in that? I mean, everything you just said is is the kind of stuff that, that people say in these interviews, right? Can there's I ask all these a, a punctuated Please. question? When, when did you stop believing that that was true, and did you ever believe it? How What degree <laughs> of confidence did you have? At, let, well, let me ask you, a, yeah. this is for my mind, give me... The probability that that was true when you were at age 5, 10, 15, and just whatever. Tell me the, the probability. You thought probably that's true at the youngest age, or definitely, 100% at some point? Yes, 100%. What prob- age yeah. were you 100% and then what changed? I would say I was 100% um, until about starting about maybe my sophomore year of high school. So and, freshman in high school, that was what you thought and, was and that, and, accurate? Yes. To the best of your knowledge. Yeah. And, and I would say this, too, because one of the things that I think that makes this, when y'all are talking about child abuse or uh, cult behavior, was that it, I was in this small church, and that was our crew. I didn't go to other people at my school's birthday parties or anything. Like we just, It was our family, and my papa was the pastor of the church we went to. My, all my family went there, and we had this circle of people, and we all believed the same. It was real, really group think. So... I didn't eventually, by the time I got to high school and then, you know, maybe I got my, uh, started having a few friends and they were, uh, crazy, wild, uh, ludicrous Presbyterians, you know, those wild uh, hell going, my, <laughs> yeah, my papa right. thought those people were going to hell. You know, he thought all they were doing was dipping, smoking and going to hell. Do you know why he had to say that though? Because those Presbyterians were my mom in that, that lived a mile from you. Right. And. My mom would slap the shit out of me if I ever started talking about any of that end time stuff. She would, ne- she would have never right. let me, you know, if I came home and asked about it, it was like not, she knew that was not, that was you bad. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like but was, I didn't know that because I got home and if I said it, it was reward. It was a reward. Yeah, you know what I mean? If yeah, I spoke in yep. tongues, even if it was fake, which I did, um, it was rewarded. Now, I, I want to say this too. Even me changing my thoughts in high school was 3%. I just wasn't quite as worried. Now, fast forward all the way to my senior year, and I started cussing. And this is what makes me so sad about <laughs> my God. Homeschool would have fixed I, all this, you know. I started cussing because I really was exhausted, and I thought, I'm probably just going to go to hell anyway. I'm just going to go to hell. Like, I, I don't have – am I going to constantly cry out to God, forgive me, 
nonstop every day for the rest of my life. It's not even a life. Apparently, well, I fuck yeah. up every day, every Something, maybe every minute. The way I would describe it now, having heard you say that, is like you were living constantly in your adrenal system, mm-hmm. your fight, flight, or freeze, right. pumping yourself full of PTSD, adrenaline all the everything. time out of panic of God. And you that is actually, you can't live there. Right. Your body will shut down, and your mind will find a way to get you to stop living in that space because it's going to fray your nerves. Is that not the territory of the development of PTSD? I'm, I'm not, I don't know, but isn't that the conditions of I don't know enough about that? it. I don't know enough about it to say. Sounds yeah. like a, you're in a bunker in Iraq and there's bombs going off. I mean, how long can you do that without damage? Mm, yeah. Is that, that not the state? Does that resonate, Toby? Like, But you can get PTSD through non, through just very quick events. Sure. Too. So it's not only... Yeah. I don't, I don't think mine I was PTSD, but I would say it, it really, in re, at the time, I did not realize it. At the time, I really thought, oh, you're probably going to go to hell anyway, and e- yeah. everything that, you, you see your parents' marriage falling apart, you're seeing all this stuff, it sure does seem like a sham, nobody's happy, their yeah, God see, right constantly there, hates them. You weren't, you weren't actually sure you were going to hell if you had those doubts, right? So, it, it's, there, there are a few things going on, that's really interesting. One thing that I think is also interesting is that, I haven't actually, until you asked Toby how confident he was, I haven't actually thought about that for myself. Yeah, people don't like to think about it. I was never 100%. No, I never was. And uh, even, so sixth grade is when I was given this book that freaked me out. I had my first panic attacks about it. And I was young enough that, like, I just was afraid. I just was freaked out. um, And I was just adrenaline flowing through my body. And that's when I, I tell the funny story of praying that I could at least be naked with a woman before Jesus came back. I didn't have to have sex or anything, but let me be naked with a woman. <laughs> I remember that prayer. Uh, but so I got quite traumatized by it and never fully bought it. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. You don't even necessarily need to believe it wholeheartedly for it to do harm. I would say I was scared of it because I think of things in risk, you know, and percentages I always have since I was little. But yeah. to me, it's like, well, it could be true. My mom says it's not. My preacher says it's not. But my school teacher thinks it is. And she knows things. Right. So what if she's yeah. right? So I had a little bit of terror <laughs> that yeah. it was true even though everybody told me it wasn't that, that, that I that in my circle. so Something that's interesting for kind of the angle that you guys like to take on this show, and, and Toby kind of hinted at this, is that there were so many variations, and that made it more complicated, I think. So... Uh, one of the guys tells a story of be, of being at a Q and A session that their youth pastor would just like do these hour long Q and As, going through the Bible, answering questions that the teenagers had. Mm-hmm. And one girl asks if people after the rapture could be saved, and he's like, "No, they can't. They're all going to hell." Then the next week, this guy comes back with like some verses that seem to show that like, oh, they would be beheaded because of their refusal to take the mark and say, "Hey." That sure sounds like if they're refusing to take the mark, that they have faith. Right. And what happened to that guy? Uh, Parents were brought into a conference with uh, him and the youth pastor, and he said, he can come back to Q&As, but he's not allowed to ask questions because he's leading the kids astray. Mm -hmm. Gosh. But, like, that's, like, one interpretation of one of the 20 sub-questions, if you buy into the whole general paradigm, that there is, of course, no consensus on. Yeah. And so it's, like, it, because it's so charged and because it's prophecy and the, the passages are so hard to decipher, 
you get like more room for bad actors. I think basically, mm-hmm. it's like less oversight. What's oh, the basically. best place ever? Well, <laughs> I mean, these, these those are the best conditions possible for bad actors. Yeah, that's just how that anything that's like this, you will find bad actors. Well, there's a couple things here too that uh, stand out to me. And it's, it's funny that we're talking about this because just today I was listening to uh, the science salon, Michael Shermer's podcast. And he had Hugo Mercier on, and it was talking about, uh, he wrote a book called not born yesterday and the science of who we trust and what we believe. And um, I'm going to try and get him on the podcast by the way, but it, it's interesting talking about Nazi propaganda and stuff like this. It says that most people don't even buy into the thing, but they see the smaller scale. Like uh, Nazi soldiers didn't necessarily buy into everything that Hitler was saying, but they did want to fight for their brothers that were in arms right beside them. Right. Right. Yeah, right exactly, you spend right. you, you spend millions and billions, if not dollars, on the American political campaign. The bigger thing is maybe it's just to show look how much money I got and people are in it. You know, it's not really you're not really switching anybody. So I'm wondering too when I look back on this, it, part of this maybe was that my family and the people that I went to church with felt bad about themselves that they were deserving of hell and so they were just ripe to believe this and run with it right like i mean maybe they weren't switching maybe the pastor's message isn't really that provocative and changing you it might be more that you really think you're shitty and you deserve all this so if everybody if, if anybody knew the real you you would be deserving of hell so maybe this god it just by your works and by prayer and by resisting every possible thing you could maybe you could get to heaven you know what i mean like that that idea yeah. there so you're not yeah, really that, weren't converted. Yeah, so a couple things there. One, you can have a bunch of people in a community that has stated beliefs that everybody officially signs off on, but people can have different levels of purchase on that and still be in the community, mm-hmm. right? So there could be plenty of people uh like I asked my mom about it. She's like, "I kind of believed it would happen." You know, she wasn't a true believer, but she read a bunch of the books. Uh-huh. And it was around. Right. Um, you know, she didn't she didn't push it on me or anything like that. Um, but then you can have people who really, really believe it and are like volunteering to lead prophecy study groups on Wednesday nights. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. all part of the same community. But there's a you can vary widely on how serious you take it. And the other thing that comes up is if you stay in a group, uh, you stay ultimately because it works. Something about it is working for you. If it's yeah. not working, you'll leave. Now, what working means and how it's working will also vary from person to person. What your other opportunities are it matters a ton in that. Equation. Yes, and what right. else? And what else you even know of that yeah. might work better? Right. Right. So, yeah, there's probably some people who have that kind of church of God of prophecy, pretty pretty gloomy outlook, who yeah. are self-loathing. Yeah, and there's also some people who just have experienced God in their church of God of prophecy that they were raised in. They see your your pop up there, and they go, yeah. "That's a good man. I want to live like that man." And I think this stuff is all kind of part of the deal. You just, if you want to be like him, you take all of this stuff. You don't mm-hmm. pick and choose parts of it. Yeah. So, yes, like I guess I'm saying yes, but there's a quite a quite a spectrum on on both of those axes. I think. Yeah, I, I think I'm just uh, kind of tapping into as well is that that thinking of yourself lowly really is it resonates with you you already think of yourself that way so you're kind of primed for that like you know what i mean like you want the strong man trump because you wish you could talk like that to that asshole at your job or mm. that that liberal that thinks you're so dumb and an idiot redneck or you know what i mean like i feel like that you already think about yourself a certain way and that's why you're right for me 
it didn't actually work. I held on as long as I could, and then it started just being able to be picked apart, and I couldn't go there. The, the other point I wanted to make, too, is that's really interesting about this is it actually is a real business. You're talking about books and careers, and pastors saw, wait a minute, when I preach about this hell thing and this end times, people sure yeah. are interested. It's, I start talking yeah. about this mark of the beast and what's going to happen here in the thousand-year reign, and I sound pretty cool and intelligent. It sounds like a you know a, a part of the Lord of the Rings or something, and it's just you tell a good story, and then it gets butts in the seat, and there's a business mm-hmm. there. And, you, and then you got to keep your job. Well, and if you're a pastor, you are you know, unless you're one of the fringier guys, you probably think that like, look, what I'm really trying to do is preach the gospel here, not the end times. But uh, I, you know, I'm sort of convinced by this stuff. And you mentioned earlier, basically plausibility structures. You were surrounded by your family. Everybody agreed the same thing. So Mm -hmm. it seems very plausible. And it doesn't even, it doesn't mean that a pastor is like really a bad actor. They just might be like, oh, this is working. And there's this larger mission that I do believe in of me being in ministry and this church doing the good things that I see it do every day, every week for the congregation. And then, yeah, it's my job to whether or not they're super aware of that part of their, you know, motivation, Mm -hmm. but all those things are a big soup and they're all mixed together and people will be more or less virtuous, you know, depending on who they are. But you could see how someone who kind of believes it and does not think it's central but it's like it seems to be getting this Jesus thing across as far as they can tell from the metrics they have mm-hmm. more people coming people more people coming for prayer at the end of whatever you get right, that right. feedback the pretty feedback, quick it gets you the feedback yeah. you need I think that's the most dangerous part about it so I would look at it a couple of different ways first of all it's to me it seems like all bad math statistical math on everybody's part <laughs> nobody thinks that way but I would say I wouldn't know where y'all land even today with certainty because I wouldn't put it in zero. I, I mean, to me, I still got it at point oh oh one. I think. Yeah, it's very or low. Or something like it being possible. So this I is mean, where but. it gets really interesting. It, and most people were not thinking this way. But I think you can think this way very rashly. And it's actually kind of funny. The only way I will ever become a fundamentalist is if the rapture happens. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> then I, I'll <laughs> say zero to anything. So I, I don't. Then I'll be yeah. a fundamentalist in a minute, yep, right. and I will totally change everything, sure. which is what makes the stuff about, oh, no one could be saved after so mind-boggling to me. It's so unrealistic. Now, yeah. God might reject them, but that's not in the text anywhere. So you right. know, God could reject them. But like, would I think that if the rapture happened, essentially the entire world would not come together under an Antichrist figure. Get a it would lot of, all become yeah. fundamentalist Christians. A lot would, yeah. If fundamentalist Hinduism predicted a rapture and then the rapture happened, I would become a fundamentalist Hindu. <laughs> yeah, but I would get my hand, I would go to the library. Not all right, what do I got to know? Not the of fake news, but that's the problem with this, is this thing is now in the category of and this mimetic part of it. Once, hmm. the, once it becomes mimetically valuable, if I'm using that word right, I think I am, it means you get the feedback, it works, your church grows, and then you've got the really, really bad statistical analysis that's the fuel for it, which is uh, something like the reverse of Pascal's wager, where you say, well, if I'm wrong, everybody, the worst thing ever doesn't happen. But if I'm right, then any movement that direction would have to be good. So better safe than sorry. I think it is, it, it, you it's know, not and a then reverse, you get the, it just is Pascal's wager. Yeah, it's wager. like Pascal's yeah. wager, yeah. but you're, you're measuring against an infinite loss. Instead yeah. of an infinite this, gain. This is but, why... And, and, and so your bias gets super screwed up. Meanwhile, yes. the memetics tell you it's working like crazy. But, 
So yep. it's it's off and running, and eventually but the, ser- the sermons I heard just calls y'all fools. Y'all are just you're uh, right. not realizing how intellectual how, fools how amazing Satan is. Right. Of course, We've, you're going to fall for it. Yeah, if you're still right. here, you're not going to go to God. You're going to feel so, like you're going to be tricked. That's one of the really interesting things too that came up that um, this self doubt, uh, which is in a lot of especially more fundamentalists. What are you going to do? Trust science? Yeah, or yeah. trust yourself? Or yourself? Trust come, your come on, the worst two teacher. things you can't ever do trust: that. empirical right. evidence and your inner voice. It's it's really tangled. It's really complicated, uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, and and that's hard to get past. I mean, especially as someone who has lifelong anxiety, I can never totally get rid of the uh, possibility that I'm totally wrong about this. That even though it appears that my life is much better, I think I am loving God and my neighbor much more. Mm -hmm. I believe the fruit has gotten better. People I trust have told me that. Fill it all out. My wife has told me that. My parents have told me. All of it, right? What if... The fundamentalists are right. That's how good the devil and, is. And yeah, yeah. He, he, the devil's so good that it's basically indistinguishable. Now, of course, that's a self-defeating how argument. How easy is it for you to fall in love with your own ideas, yeah. Stan? But it's, but it's a ass. self-defeating argument because then, well, how do you know that the, it's the devil? Well, you, you all... If you if you remove confidence and evidence yeah. so far, then you don't have evidence for believing it's the devil either, right? Um, but that one's pernicious and I think you know we don't have to we don't have to pivot to hell here, but I do think that fear of punishment, uh, and that punishment being essentially unimaginable. So mm-hmm. you're so you you reach a psychological limit. There's an episode coming out soon with these guys who developed um, a hell anxiety scale oh, that really? they could measure people on, um, and we talk about this that like one thing one problem with the scale is that hell is not well defined by different people. There's not a lot of data on that, right. but they also say it's also just kind of an upper limit it's Hell's like just a, the worst a black thing. hole it's a there's yeah. a gravity that warps the fabric of space-time around it when you talk about yes. the singularity being infinite torture yeah right okay so, so people can imagine suffering a hundred years reality of, so bad a hundred years of being burned and then after that your brain kind of shuts right. down you can't really get to infinity but i do think that that punishment thing that fear of ultimate punishment it, it just has to be like the main driver of most unhealthy aspects of religion. Mm-hmm. Um, now, deterrence is works. So there's probably like purgatory, I think, is probably doesn't have that issue. Purgatory does not warp the gravity around it such that someone actually can't even think about the evidence or whatever. Be reasonable. Um, but hell does. And I, I just increasingly am thinking that like that's the that's where we need to do the work is like. Um, getting rid of this comp- this self doubt because of a possibility of the most torturous thing ever by a god supposedly who is love, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's the and and the end time stuff is just a multiplier of that. It's just like brings right. that to you quicker, yeah. as we said earlier. Yes, that escalates it. I'm I'm probably still at twenty percent. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but really? I think twenty. I think I'm at twenty percent. I yeah. I notice myself. You're behaving alone, very irresponsibly like, I, if that's wh- your number. <laughs> when I when I walk around, I just notice that my interaction with God when I do want to pray or talk to God is based in still in fear. And are you, you actually love me? You do want good for me? Like I, I'm not saying that, but I'm feeling it. I think I like I, like I mean, this isn't. It's not a. I haven't been tricked, have I? Have I been tricked? And and you actually are mad at yeah. you know that's all the shit I've done. Like you pretty upset with me? Just tell me. I, I'll I'll fix it. 
Just well, tell me. You didn't let me know. I have does that, that make me the main devil on your shoulder? Then you would probably have to be. Yeah, is that right. in, in that view you're saying there? Does that equal Matt with horns on your shoulder? <laughs> well, no. Look, <laughs> sorry if, if so. If if that's right, then we're all you know leading thousands of people astray every yeah, week. I know, right? Um, but you know, I think about that, and I I worry. So I I always worry about the the Jesus passage where he says teachers will be judged more harshly. Yep. And actually, I didn't do a podcast for about two years just based on that verse. But I think that I means the people that are pushing the end times are the ones going to hell. This is That's the problem. The way I read Right? That. So, which teachers? That's the, the, it, it's, <laughs> it ends up being... So, the, so the, this is really interesting, I think, and I, I'm trying to find the language for it. There's the verse that says the teachers will be more, judged more harshly. It does not say... That verse does not tell you which teachers are right and which teachers are wrong. It's like a motivator for... Uh, Taking it seriously, right? Like, take your work seriously. I yeah. still read it different. Well, okay, fine. But the way I'm reading it, like, I hear you. There, so even if it's something like that, you still have a have to have another conversation about which teaching is right and which teaching is wrong. Let me suggest, though, okay. and I won't go into this, but I would say the focus is more on identifying oneself as a teacher. Is oh, is what it's warning? Yeah, that's which I do not want to be. Ne- don't want to be. Yeah, see, that's why you and I, I want to be a... not taken seriously yeah, for that reason. You and I have had. Well, that's interesting. That's psychological. I, do, I don't think teaching is the best way for learning. Uh, just don't. right. You have your whole. I thing. hope people learn a lot from me and whatever the fuck that is. But meet teacher, hell no. Yeah. So uh, you and I have a different story on this because our our mutual friend, friend of the pod, Matt McDonald mm-hmm. of the Classic Crime, um, uh, eight or nine years ago, I, he and his wife left a small group that we were uh, co-hosting. And I was like, I don't want to lead this small group without you. And he was like, Dan, you're a leader. Just be a good one. Yeah, self-identifying as the teacher or the one needed is just the, the scariest thing in the world well, okay, to, me, to but avoid. I, there's, we could use different words here. I didn't yeah. think that I was like the spiritual guide yeah. of the group. I just meant I didn't want to be in charge of it. I didn't want to facilitate it. Um, I liked sharing that burden with him. Uh, and I've realized, like, no, like, I, I'm a natural leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I actually am a natural teacher, if you mm-hmm. want to call it that, like, I enjoy explicating ideas and mm-hmm. using my brain to like synthesize them with language. But I learned so much from you, and you are not my fucking teacher. So you cause learning in me at an extremely high rate, as does Toby. Extremely yeah. high rate. You are not teachers to me. I'm not. An I learn from you all the time. I, yeah, so some of this is you're just not my teacher. I just don't. I don't think of it that way. Yeah, but some of so that's you being the, having the role is what I'm. I think that the the self-identification of the role is something I think the Bible is talking about there. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a plausible interpretation. That interpretation fits very well with the bad Christian. Sure. Sure. (laughs) No surprise there. Either way, whatever we, we get it. Toby, what do you want to talk about? What do I want to talk about? Yeah. Is uh, it child talk. abuse? This uh, was, well, and, and that, what are the psychological Carter, effects? That's what Carter wants to talk about. I mean, I mean yeah. is it? I mean, well, in, in what ways? Because the thing yeah. I noticed that I want y'all to talk about is on yeah. Dan's podcast, it floors me, and I'm dramatic, so okay, just discount me all you want, but I'm hearing all these people, and it rang true, I've heard these things said a million times with people sitting around having drinks, unpacking stuff, processing it, probably to deal with it. I consider that therapy every time it happens of unpacking baggage, and everybody's almost always saying it and uncomfortably laughing when they're talking about something that has 
giving them mental yeah. illness. And I I'm thinking, in the whoa, interviews. whoa, 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 yeah. why, yeah. why is everybody laughing? That, why is that it was always really uncomfortable laughter? for me when going, listening to the interviews, Dan, when they would laugh like it's because not it is uncomfortable. It's not yeah, funny. I, I laugh too. But they don't know how to times. handle it otherwise. Yeah, that's just un- that I'm, is I'm, not I funny. I just start laughing and saying, I'm sorry. I have to, I have to right. bring some humor in to even process yes. this bullshit. I think that has to do with authority and leadership and parents because if you're not laughing, you're saying, my parents did something horrible to me and nobody wants to say that about the parents that they know we're only trying to help them that love them so much. They know that yeah. so deeply that the only way to deal with it is to, oh, it was just a funny thing where I was always panicked and traumatized every second. <laughs> you too? Yeah, I mean, it's, well, I would say that, I would say that the laughter, the ability to laugh about it, especially in a group context, that is group therapy. I agree. That is a, 100% that agree. is a grace. The best thing to ever do. Yeah. That's a gift from God that, mm-hmm. that our brains work that way. I agree. That we do have that release valve mm-hmm. that not only allows us to talk about it at a distance, but also allows us to con- to like be connected to each other yes. in a shared story. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it is wild. It, but I do think listening this, to the laughter of the interviewers, though, it was more like the Joker laughing because there's attached trauma to it. Right. So, yeah. like, it's like this is the, the way, and, and you're right, it's a little bit of a release valve more than yeah. I'm actually a release valve of the, what is actually happening, but not a really release of what happened. Like, you're just in, mm. now you're talking about it. So, in this moment, you, you it, have yeah. to kind of laugh about it. Otherwise, I would say it, it, in retrospect, it does seem abusive to children. And I don't like child abuse is really tough because you're right. The parents and my, for example, my Paul Paul thought he's saving me from the worst possible torment ever. Right, there's a legacy of that with you know that that is what it is. But everything was was pointed that way, and so how could he have even stopped it? What what would it have meant about him to be able to go, no, son, this is God. Well, or what, how could he have been more tender? Or what can would anybody that deal with the fact that a, a significant amount of child Abuse is born out of love for the child. How can you not just? Is that not possible? Yeah, you can. No, you can I agree. Abuse with you. a child without meaning to. Of, of course. course right? yeah, yeah. Now, I think if you if you talked to those leaders and those parents and stuff in the moment, you said, "Hey, I'm pretty sure this is like traumatizing some of these younger kids." I think what they would say is, "You're right. It probably is, but we have to okay. because that is a pr- a good price to pay." I mean, if Fair people enough. couldn't be really it honest. It might be. That's what I'm saying. Do now, the math carefully then. So then here's where I get frustrated is like, on what evidence? Right. The evidence was so shitty for these claims. Obviously, no one's ever been right about actually predicting the end. Mm-hmm. That's kind of mathematically true. Um, but look, just try and look at other things that people predicted. It's like uh, a big one is Israel. So Darby predicted that Israel would reform, and they did about 100 years later. And I think that that gave a lot of uh, fire to the that movement. Gives that, but see, that's another—I think the memetics, if I'm—again, I don't know if I'm using that word right here, but that shit works, and then once you get it, it works. And I have this feeling that Christianity's been brewing these dangerous memetic ideas for a long time, and now they've spilled out, and it's flat earth, and it's this, and it's climate, pure death to apocalypse, and all these other existential things that are like, so profound like that's built into the fabric of people and christians have been on this trail for a long time and have gotten good at it but it seems similar to the other types of cults of group think that are yeah. very things people reacting very much against very scary things yeah actually uh trip fuller from homebrew christianity just just texted me yesterday or something and said it's interesting he's listening to the episodes and he's like 
I know some sort of like eco apocalypse exactly the same thing. Uh, who their religion yes. is very similar to the religion that these people were raised with this end times Christianity. You see the t- the children being terrorized by adults yeah, in, the, in which that I, same yeah, exact right. Way. It which I think me is infinitely. just uh, it's the same. It's basically probably the same psychological modules are at, are being activated and expressed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we have that in us. But you know the big difference in science and STEM activities and climate awareness and client and science and activism and kids all can be good. It's fi- fair right. enough. But you know the ones when the panicky parents panic the kids. Yes. That is unacceptable, mm-hmm. period. I bet you we will look back 20 years from now. It, it sort of depends on how bad the climate actually. The, the, the two things that are interesting there is the climate science is real and mm-hmm. the 100%. prophecy stuff isn't. Right. Yeah, I agree with so that. So that, that does complicate it. But the human part's the same. And I think that my hope is that. I hope that the climate, uh, obviously, our, our kids will have a rough, uh, worse future and probably economic growth will not be able to continue the way it has for us and stuff like that because of just the mass financial costs of all these disasters. But uh, we may find that like certain certain brands of this climate stuff, the alarmism, had a very similar effect that this had. And some kids are going to be robbed of their childhoods unnecessarily. Seems predictable and testable to me, I think. somebody, you know, Yeah, like, we, we could probably, ahead. yeah, right. Uh, what about... Uh, Okay, go ahead, Toby. Well, uh, I was just going to say, too, I know this is off topic. I'd, Dan, I'd love to have you back and talk about this because we haven't even touched on this. But I am, I've just been fascinated lately by the the role or the uh, how influential narcissism is within Christianity and the pastoral role. And it seems more and more like that when, I, when I'm looking at this, it almost as if narcissists are drawn to this role of leadership or maybe even teacher or something like that throughout our past. And then they're able to list all your faults. They always appear to be the good one, the chosen one, the, the godlike figure in your life. And then you are left with this thing where you are going to be punished if you don't follow exactly what they say. And they're the voice of God, even in your community and all that stuff. And I'm just seeing that more and more. There's a list of bad things. Like when you think about it, like of course, they're telling you what you are going to be like and how you are going to act in the end times or what you deserve for being such a bad person. But they're you get on this your list side of, of it. They're but trying they to help are you. on your side, yep. and yep. you need to come yeah, yeah. to them and honor yep. them with their position and with their authority so that you can do it. And so then it all gets all jumbled. And that's that's right. Earlier in the podcast, you said the line is so blurred between end times and hell. It, it's because it was all it was like all ever present. It, yeah. it, at this moment, it was hell. At this mo- uh, the end of the world, people screaming and dying. Uh, I, I mean, I can remember uh, paintings in our church of a plane going down because the pilot had been called to heaven, and it was a plane going down already on fire somehow. <laughs> you know, going to crash. And like, I was like, "Oh, that's the end of the world." And I, I've had those experiences too, where nobody was around. I was like, "Wait a minute, uh, it didn't end the world." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thank God there was yeah. another human. But then, as soon as I saw the human, guess what I thought. They that would guy got might left. not be saved. Yeah, yeah. He ain't a Christian. I need yeah. a damn Christian to yep. know if I'm if I'm yep. gone or not. That's sick, man. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And that 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 narcissism thing. You said that to me, Toby. I don't know if you're gonna bring it up, but it reminds you like abusive boyfriend. Is that the same? You get this situation where you always know if something goes wrong, it's probably your fault as the default mode, right? You're, yes, you know what I mean. Some, you have some the problem. They're there control. for you. They're the strength, and and it just keeps luring you back in, and you know something's wrong, but you can't say it. And, it always feels like they're good and you're bad. 
Yeah. Somehow you you know you're always yeah. somehow am I the that's, screw up every time? That's what narcissists are able to do in in terms of creating something in the other person's mind. Yeah, I have two minutes to say eight minutes of stuff because I have to go. But those things are as follows. I do have an upcoming episode. I just got the book uh, from the publisher of a guy who wrote a book called When Narcissism Comes to Church, mm-hmm. and I'm going to interview him about that. So okay. that'll probably come awesome. out. Let's do that next time. A few months, maybe. Maybe after I've done that interview, we could talk about it. Um, some people I know who are working on spiritual abuse stuff, like psychologists, uh, believe that a lot of it resembles most closely narcissistic abuse, which is a category of abuse that yeah. when a narcissist is in a place of authority in your life, that uh, there's a lot of literature on. And so I'm really interested in that moving forward. And the last thing I want to say is just this whole thing is not an argument to like not raise your kids in church. Uh, my wife and I will be raising our son in church. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's hopefully a call to make those church communities healthier. Uh, and, you know, people can choose what they want to choose. Like, perhaps you're not going to raise your kids in church, Carter. No, I'm going to church. I've been right. the last three weeks. Okay. All right. Well, you've been more than me in the last three weeks. So I just don't let those adults teach my kids bad shit. Well, I don't right. trust them. That's so, all. But I think it can, it, we can, it can seem like we're piling I'm just on. there for the social graces. Yeah. Is all that. <laughs> well, good. I think you could use those. Um, <laughs> I know. I, I know. <laughs> But so, yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of want to close there because I, I think it can come off the wrong way. Like, I, I don't think there was any, I mean, I just think there's like no Jesus in any of this stuff. I mean, it was, right. this is the, oh, yeah, this is the extra up. bullshit that gets, like the accretion that gets put on top of it, right? And like, we do need the Sermon on the Mount and the Lord's Prayer and we need the parables. Like, and I want to raise my son with that stuff. I want him to know that stuff. Uh, and this is, yeah, perhaps like, Maybe the the clearest application for me is like we are going to have to talk with him about climate change in I don't know six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's due in three weeks, um, and I'm uh, going to have to be careful about how alarmist to be about it. And not and it might be very fashionable seven years from now to basically treat your kids the way that we were taught. We were treated with end time stuff, no doubt. And I'm going to have to resist that. Yep. Um, and that and I might have to go against the flow. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I got yeah. I got quite a few years to think about it. You have a lot. Fewer years to think about I, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Georgia, at least. I'm I'm not in a mode of trying to parse all the ground up rights and wrongs. I'm on a very high minded mission to have longer term goals and things for my family that I don't have yet. But once they're yeah. clear, I think it'll be easier to make decisions of what's right and wrong. But well, I don't yeah. have any anticipation of like figuring thing everything out. That's well, I'm not even going to no. try. Sure. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for having that- me. Yeah, Dan, we really do appreciate. It. I, I I really do enjoy the podcast, and I appreciate you exposing that. What even the last thing you just said, you're right. There was no Jesus, and the most important thing would be forgiveness or love, right? Why wasn't that? Why is, why wasn't it more of that? Like, wait a minute, you can be loved, maybe even yeah. unconditionally, or you you have worth, all those things. So I mean, thank you for the, opening yeah, up these doors. Twenty more layers. It's unendingly interesting. That's why I'm studying psychology because mm-hmm. I want to get to all those layers. You know, yep. what's really I, going on there? We'll have you back soon. Yeah, and thanks cool. for using the word accretion, Brainiac. Yeah. yeah. Nerd <laughs> alert. Uh, oh, I love I it. I was trying to think of another word for it, and I couldn't. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. I've heard of secretion. <laughs> well, it's related. It's a related word or, to a related origin. Uh, okay. Um, Dan, I'm going to make the point that I told you before about how maybe it is as you leave, just so you know, and you could check back in on this, but I'm interested to now make my counterpoint against myself that it's not child abuse. So I'm going to let everybody off the hook for that. 
But you, you know where I'm going with it, but I'll tell Toby if he's still interested okay. to hear that. Okay, <clears throat> this is the last thing I wanted to say, and it's just going the opposite way of what my natural inclination could be because that okay. can be wrong. Um, I'm not so sure that people aren't mostly nature-wired for their disposition as far as things like anxiety go. I think if you have anxiety, that's more of your just wavelength and speed and your mode like a dog breed a lot of times. Yeah. And no matter if you're a very anxious person and you don't exercise correctly like a border collie in a crate, that's going to be generalized bad negative anxiety. But you're probably supposed to be doing something very intense. You're that type of person. Right. So being limited from doing anything intense with your energy, if you have anxiety, you have energy. Is is basically true the way I yeah. see it. It's going to go somewhere. So if you're stifled or not allowed to think or lot whatever, you're going to have unbelievable existential dread and anxiety about something. And if you're a Christian, it'll just be hell. Whatever. It, I mean, it's going to be something. So that takes the onus off the parents in that in that scenario. Like, oh, I was around Christianity, so of course what I was worried about was hell because I'm that type of person. You know what I mean? Right. Like I never was going to be that way, and you probably always were going to be that way to some degree. But they just gave you the thing to latch onto to be scared of. But if you had different parents, you'd just be scared of something different. If you grew up in a di- like Woody Allen's that way. He's not worried about the end times, but he's been worried about his own death and existential dreads at, at, from a very young age, I imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. You're just going to, to be that way. Some people are going to be. And they yeah, try but to I, work it out. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. You might have that in, in inside of you, but I still think it's just fostered and, and grown worse, yeah. by, by, the, by the people around you that you do trust. Like like he was saying, it's a plausible idea that your parents, you should trust them. They got you this far. You you know They always make sure you have food, shelter, and entertainment, all that stuff. So why would you automatically just disbelieve them as fools or sure. something like that? But, but so. notable that tons of people who grew up in this exact culture have no issues. So it's not as right. it, you know what I mean? So I, I don't really, th- I'm not really trying to have an anti-parent message or go search your parents sure. and call them abusers. I don't think that's, I don't really think that's necessarily appropriate, but I think you right. should be able to flexibly think between the two without being afraid to process that way. And it doesn't mean your parents are bad, even if it did cause some bad effects to you. That's totally fine. I assume right. I'm causing things that might cause mental illness in my own children right now. I just don't know what they are. So right. I hope I don't, and well, probably some of my good intention things will be bad. Yeah, it's the same. It's the idea there of maybe it's uh, you got a broken arm because your dad pushed you out of the way of a bus coming to hit you. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. got hurt, but yeah. he was trying to do the best he could or something. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. My family, for sure, all believed in hell more than heaven. Nobody, and heaven was just it's got to be better than whatever this is. And that's basically yeah. where it ended. You know what I mean? Like n- nobody really ever thought about it. I mean, I literally never, I always thought it, we really did think about heaven as just you kind of like a baby angel or something. There's going to be some streets of gold and you must get good stuff. But, you had a lot more resolution but, of detail about hell and then you did heaven. Oh, right? 100%. I mean, I, seriously, <laughs> way more detail Wonder about why. hell. I right. mean, 100%. So. Anyway, uh, if you enjoy this podcast and uh, you want even more content, we do a Daily Dose episode uh, for BC Clubbers, and uh, that's been a lot of fun, and it's getting uh, more and more real and raw and fun, and the Clubbers even are doing a Clubbers cast 
uh, themselves. So if you're not in the BC club, you are missing out. There's all kinds of benefits for sure. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and I wanted to read some names of some people that are supporting this podcast right now. If you like this podcast, support it as well. But we got Richard Fish, not to be mistaken for Albert Fish, the notorious, not the same. notorious, I think, child murderer. Do you want to tell the people about Albert Fish? No, I don't. Okay. I well, know you want to. I see the look on your face. You want to know because that's like you know the trivia of Albert Fish. We're talking no, about Richard no. Fish. I was just trying I to even do the Norm McDonald joke. I just but wanted you to, to do the Norm McDonald yeah. joke. Oh, yeah, on I know. I know. <laughs> He's a real jerk, is the He's point. a real jerk. That's the best Norm McDonald joke. All right, we got D- David Abbott, Myrtle in Girdle, Chris Severance. Andy Morgan, Kenny Pruitt, Tanner Lee, Bethany Hatch, Daniel Norman, and Hondro Martinez. Thank you guys for being the BC Club. Uh, you help us a ton with all I have, that we do. Yes. if you, Toby's right. If you're enjoying this podcast and got here and are still listening, then you're making a huge mistake to enjoy this type of community and not actually connect yourself to the real humans directly in a very good and easy way. Right. So that's... If you're still listening, I think the BC Club is probably for you, but I do have real bad news about the BC Club what and is everybody it? listening. Oh, no. From what you're saying before, and I'm not really joking about this. Oh, God. I believe this to be true. It's an Can't emerging we end on a high note? Nope. Low note. Here we go. Well, it's high note because if you find out bad stuff, you can deal with it, but it's only good in that way. <laughs> it's, but the way you're talking about narcissism and pastors and you feeling like you're the wrong person— you know? Yeah. It's not just you. That's that's what we if you're enjoying this podcast and you're in the BC club, you're probably that too. Yeah. You're probably the one that um, instant I, I've just noticed the, the things that have been attracted here are starting to I start to notice more so that these are kind of the, the thing it, we all of course we've been saying we feel like outsiders or do it yourselfers or these kinds of things, but I think we're different kind of people to some degree, and we feel like outsiders, and we usually f- probably are vulnerable, I would say. If, you're, <laughs> if you resonate with me and Toby, it probably means that you're vulnerable to that type of manipulation by people that tend to be narcissistic and things like that. So it's good to be aware of, your, of that is what I'm saying. But I ha- think there's a high concentrations of, when, of people who, when they get bumped into, they automatically assume it's their fault before you even know, like that thing. Like, right. If something's wrong, I'm sure it's not me. I'm sure it's, I'm, I'm sure I'm the wrong one. Like that automatic disposition, I actually think is good. Um, it's it's good because the opposite of it's bad. If you know what I'm saying, but yep. it's it's unfortunate because if you're not aware of it, you, you know you you can spend years and years caught up in a cult or something <laughs> like it. It's pretty easy. Well. Now I'm really down. So that's the bad news. But, the but good I'm not news alone. Is, now you know. Hey, hey, hey I'm not alone. <laughs> right. That's a, that's my takeaway. There you go. Hey, we go, we all go right. From there. Yeah. Not alone. Hell yeah. All right. See y'all later. What's up? Today we are gonna eat ice cream. <laughs> Woo! I went to the park this morning. I saw some delicious ones. So I got some. It was so good. Break it down. Like that gets my house. Oh, no. I'm going to break it all down. Yay. It's down. Oh, yeah. Woo. This <laughs> ice cream's good. One morning, I went to the ice cream shop, and I got more ice cream. I found some cookies, so I got some cookies. 
You're breaking down, baby!